Hello and welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Let's get stuck in. Hello everybody and welcome to the penultimate of the season episode uh, of the Rams Review Podcast. Uh, today I'm joined with Corey as always. Corey, hello. Jason, how you doing? That was a very big word to kick off the podcast with. It wasn't it just, wasn't it just. <laughs> beautiful weather in England, I thought I'd use a beautiful long word. There we go. Uh, and also we're joined by Alfie from the LS11 podcast. Uh, Alfie, how are we? Um, yeah, pretty good, all things considered. At the moment, yeah, it's pretty good for us. And everybody can't yeah. see it, he's beaming like a Cheshire cat from, from <laughs> face to face because they're a point yeah. away, eh? I'm trying to be humble. <laughs> well, obviously, um, we're going to be chatting to Alfie, who is uh, all about Leeds United. Um, plenty plenty to discuss uh, on that podcast. Uh, sorry, on that podcast, on that topic, should I say. Um, we'll get straight in. As Corey's just mentioned there, one point away from the Premier League, Alfie. Um, and surprise, surprise, it could well be uh, fully expected, I think, so the right frame, uh, the right term on Sunday. Uh, I think you'll, you'll pretty much get it on Sunday, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, obviously, cast our minds back 14, probably now, months ago. Um, the, the, the scenario has, has changed, certainly from a Derby fan, well, from, obviously from both fans' perspective, but for a Leeds yeah. United's perspective. Um, it, it's a it's a bittersweet moment, I suppose, having the disappointment of twelve months ago, and and now, strangely enough, having having to be able to do it against potentially do it against Derby on Saturday. Um, it has, is automatic promotion or no? It's not, is it? Automatic promotion. That's that is the one point, and then yeah, the one it's still a couple off the league. Yeah, the one point's the automatics, and then I think um, winning the. Oh no, I think maybe I think it depends on what West Brom do tonight, and then uh, yes, they play Huddersfield tonight. They, is it Huddersfield tonight? It's Huddersfield away tonight, and I think if they drop points and then we get a point on Sunday or next week, we we win the league. So yeah, we could we could do it at Pride Park. That's true, and it would be. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's. Um, I mean, throwing away the old historical rivalry with Derby, I think just purely for the the turnaround in the twelve months. Um, and the, the work that's been done to put that out of our minds, because obviously I'm sure we have contrasting views over that night, but that was probably the lowest moment that I've had as a Leeds fan. Um, just the sheer um, emptiness you feel after losing in the last minute. But anyway, um, just the, to, for the players to put it behind them and that mentality to just keep going and do it this season. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a nice sort of way to bring it full circle, but it honestly doesn't matter whether it's against Derby or whether it's tonight without us even kicking a ball. It doesn't matter. We just need to get out of this division. I think that's, that's our view. It's just any way out, really. And I think, in all fairness, let's face it, you were the form team last year until it kind of slipped away um, towards the end. Obviously, the report's coming out that obviously the players were exhausted, that just the way that Leeds play football and... Um, this it was always going to be obviously a very similar team, uh, probably even uh, you know added to it, and then I'm guessing one or two tweaks in in training and things like that in in terms of the intensity or getting used to the way that Bielsa plays. Um, and me, I know me and Corey mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I think obviously for we mentioned it about Brentford. Obviously, they seem to be a bit of a steam train at the moment. Um, do you think that the break, as unfortunate it was, was? was good for Leeds in terms of they could come back and nail on this final eight games? Do you think at the point of the season it stopped, they were 
they were showing signs of, of, of struggling a little bit to keep up with the momentum? Um, to be honest, no. Uh, like we were five five wins on the spin without conceding a goal before lockdown. So actually, the the break probably came. At, we were probably one of the worst teams that could have come for in the league in terms of, you know, we were on great form. Uh, everyone was just absolutely flying, and that last game against Huddersfield was just. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure I don't know if you you'd have paid attention to it, but that um, Aylin volley from just inside the penalty area where he sort of van bastened it into the top corner. Um, that was, you know, probably just the sheer elation after that and then to go like, oh, you know, on to Cardiff, which is a really tough game and, and to have that taken away was mentally probably quite bad. But you're right. And in terms of the physicality, I think it, it, it's one of those things where it's just sort of, it's, it's all a bit derivative. It could have, it could have helped. Mm. We, but, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm not really sure what happened last season, to be honest, because actually we didn't, looking back, I don't think we showed signs of, slowing down physically because we were keep we kept going right until the very end um you know and uh, i think just the mentality that, that mentally it was it, it is exhausting um more than more than it is physically you could just tell in that second half against um against derby at Elland road the, the heads had just completely gone you know, there was just no idea what they were doing but they were still running hard you know it's like um, just one of those, but you know, th- this year it's just one of those things where you know it's probably been a bit good for everyone in terms of of keeping that having that little break because it's it is tough for everyone. I mean, we play, you know, with the exception of of Brentford, maybe I, I still think we probably have the edge over them in terms of the intensity of the way we play and how we will just hammer any team until the the final whistle blows and we'll be the fit, we'll be fitter than anyone. Um, but obviously, when you come back after three months, you might not be as match fit as you used to be because obviously that fitness is maintained by the training regime and then match players as well so um, it's maybe a little bit of both but I, I think it, it might have uh, you know this year might have just had that little extra advantage yeah but you know just the the, the mentality of it of it all is is the most important thing for me I don't really think the physicality is the most important thing for you know three months out and to come back and do it all again Great Yeah I think um yeah, I actually – we were just talking about this off air, Jason. I watched the Leeds game um, last night, actually. Um, and I think what you'll find, Alfie, is Jason and myself, we try not to look at Derby County in a vacuum. You know, some some fans get very insular and they think, oh, it's just all about this club. We don't need to worry about the opposition or whatever. But we try to, we try to look at the opposition and, and, you know, they're having a season as well. They're having players with ups and downs, the same as, same as what, what County is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think um, – I don't really know where I was going with that point, to be honest. Yeah. No, we were – you know, so I think, I think obviously, me and Jason, we have, our, we have our feelings about Leeds. We have our feelings about what happened last year and, and what's happened in the past and everything like that. But I don't think you can argue that Leeds are the best team, Jason, in, in, the, in the division. I think from the moment the ball was kicked – I've seen them several times. They look, they look Premier League ready. They look Premier League quality. Um, and I think out of anyone in this division, even even West Brom, uh, because I know Jason, myself, Alfie, we're both big. We both believe Brentford hopefully can get up out of the division because Brentford's really scary. Um, but you know, I think yeah. Leeds, 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 and Brentford are two completely different um, kettles of fish. Really, Leeds are just like you say with the with the Redentus, and I hate to use the Jurgen Klopp Gengen pressing, but you know, with with the, with the pressing and the high intensity that Leeds play, I think they'd be well equipped for the Premier League. Um, I want to hit on a couple different points. I don't know. I'm sure you're aware of this, Alfie, but it's not like Derby have had uh, the greatest time of goalkeepers this season. 
um, and especially not in the uh, last few weeks. Right. I noticed that you've got a different goalkeeper in goal other than Kiko Casilla. Um, so what was what was obviously we know what mistakes Casilla made last season. Um, so talk us through the goalkeeping change. Talk us through Bielsa's thinking behind that. Tell us a little bit about the new lad and um, and your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, looking at um, you talk about looking at the club in the vacuum, but um, you know, Kiko Casilla was serving an eight-match ban for um, well, a, a alleged racial abuse of uh, Jonathan Lecco in a, a game back in September against Charlton, and I think we all knew it was coming. Um, you know, obviously, um, it's a bit, it is a bit of a, a grey area because some of the wording in the report was a bit odd. Um, but you know, you've you've just got to accept that he did do it, and, and whether he did or not. Um, bring, we had a, a pretty good replacement in um, Ilan Melier. We signed him last summer on loan from a French side in the second French second division side, um, and it was one of those just sort of an uninspiring signing, I think. And it was quite late on in the window, I think, and everyone was just sort of like, "Oh, all right." Well, I mean, that's a bit odd, but you know, sort of looking for a backup for Kiko Casilla, you were expecting someone bigger. Uh, Joe Hart was touted as a name, and. Uh, Carl Darlow from Newcastle, so some pretty big names, and then to have this unknown come in was sort of a bit like, I mean, okay, but obviously if we don't have to use him, then it's fine. But so, so when Kiko's ban was was given, we were all like, you know, we've got this this Melier, and, and he played against Arsenal in the FA Cup, and he he'd done pretty well to be fair by all accounts. He, he just looked a lot more. Uh, I mean, obviously your your um, experience of Kiko Casilla is him absolutely gifting you an equaliser in the playoff semi final. Um, but you know that kind of um, just insanity at times. It, and you know, d- don't get me wrong, Kiko's a quality keeper. You know, this guy's won the Champions League and has played for his country at international tournaments, so he's a quality guy. And and at times he has uh, dug us out of some holes, but just at times his decision making was a bit off. So this this French kid, I think he's only about twenty, but he's massive. He's about six foot six. And uh, he just looks a lot more comfortable, a lot more confident. And he looks think, like a giant beanstalk too. He's got like no muscle about him. He does. He, he does a bit look a bit like a spider, to be honest. He is absolutely huge. And uh, but yeah, I, I mean, Kiko came back. His his ban ended uh, last week. So you know, it just it's testament to what Melier has done by Kiko comes back. You know, this huge for the highest paid player at the club, and you can only get on the bench which you know, is, is probably to do with the sort of not wanting to unbalance the team at, at such a crucial period. But you know, I think even without, uh, without Casillas' ban, without uh, Casilla anywhere, I think Melier's the, been the better keeper. So it's um, you know, just one of those signings. We've, we've had a few now where we've gone, who on earth is that? And then Biel, it's ones that Bielsa sanctioned himself. And it's like, you know, this guy... You know, when 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 Bielsa says a player is going to be good for us, you just you, you, he is just going to be good. So, yeah, it's it's been great to just not have your heart in the mouth every time the ball comes in the uh, eighteen yard box with Melier. And you know, I mean, I, I hope we get him on permanent in the summer. Now, that's all that's all I'm hoping for. So, I know this is a little bit unrelated to to this game, Jason, but um, Bailey Ke- Bailey Pe- Peacock Farrell was at Leeds last year. Why why did they let him go? Because every time I saw him, he looked like a decent decent young keeper. Obviously, I know Casilla um, came in, but to replace it with Melier. Yeah, um, Bailey Peacock follows an odd one where the, the season before Bielsa came, when we were just, that was just a shocking, a joke of a season, really, with, with the sort of like the badge change and the, and the, pre, <laughs> yeah, the postseason but... trip to a war zone and stuff. It was just, 
a, a catalogue of errors, really. And it ended with Bailey peacock Fowl coming in for this awful German keeper we'd got. And he, and he was pretty good. And it was probably just a, a case of a young kid coming up from the academy and playing absolutely out of his skin for the last three games. Because I think we'd like, we, we were mathematically safe. And we had uh, the genius that is Paul Heckingbottom in charge at the time. And he just thought, oh, well... Yeah, the legend, exactly. The, ge- the tactical genius, the tactical mastermind. And he just thought, oh, well, I'll just throw on this random kid and see what he can do for the last couple of games because there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing to play for. And he did all right. And then I think Bielsa was very uh, adamant when he came in that he was going to improve the squad rather than spend a lot of money, which he did to his credit. But just uh, Bailey Peacock Fowles a decent keeper, a decent shot stopper, but it's just his distribution is just so key. And, and that's where... It's why, you know, keepers who can pass have such a premium because a lot of teams want to do that now. And it's one thing being a decent shot stopper, but they just can't kick a ball, they can't pass a ball or they'll panic. And, and that's what he did a lot. Um, and it's, it's something that was quite key and probably something we didn't really realise until we fixed it this season when we had Pontus Janssen and Bailey peacock Fowl at the back, both of whom their job is to look for the, the aggressive pass, the breakout pass out of the back line. But neither of them wanted to do it at times. So it was sort of that you'd have points where you'd be sitting at the back and you'd have Bailey Peacock following Pontus Janssen just knocking it back to each other, go, go on, you pass it. Oh, no, I don't want to pass it. Go on, you pass it. Um, sounds like, sounds and... like watching Derby sometimes, Jason, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is. Um, but, you know, this, this season we brought in um, Melier and, and, and I think Casilla was a January transfer. And um, I think Bailey Peacock Fowl got dropped to the suspension. Then in the summer, he. He, kicked, he just chucked his toys out of the pram and said, I want to go and play um, first-team football. So he went to Burnley and is now their fourth choice, I think. So, um, yes, yeah, just, just a case of, you know, a guy who, who didn't want to play for Bielsa. And the fact is, if you don't want to play for Bielsa, then you're out. That's it. And, you know, that's, that's something that we did with, with Janssen as well. Just doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter what your skill, doesn't matter what your importance to the team. If you don't want to play for the manager, then you're not playing. Yeah, so that actually brings me nicely on my segue into my next point was, you know, Pontus Janssen is probably one of the best center halves in the championship. You know, we remember his last, I think Derby fans remember his last image in a lead shirt very fondly uh, sitting against the boys. We're not going to, we're friends here, Alfie. We're not going to try to upset you too much. Yeah. Um, and obviously they, le- they lose him and then they get better with, with the Brighton Loney, Ben White. We have a Brighton Loney of ourselves, Matt Clark. Um, so talk us through the differences between uh, Pontus Janssen and Ben White and why that's been beneficial. Well, it, you're, you're right in that Pontus Janssen is one of the best defenders in the, in the division. And certainly I think last year, I think he was the best um, in terms of, of just, you know, when, when he came in and I think we, it was a, a few years ago, we had Gary Monk, I think, brought him in and he was just a, an absolute revelation. Um, you know, I, I've not been watching Leeds for a long time, but it's the first time we've had a genuinely solid centre-half who is good in the air, who can step in front of players, who can pass, who can score goals. Um, and he's a, he's a pretty skillful player as well. There's, I think that, I'm sure there's a highlights reel somewhere of him, um, uh, Rabona in it, around a, a Barnsley fullback or something. So he's, he's a decent player. And I think we all thought that after the playoff defeat that we'd be losing some key players. So like, obviously, Kamar Roof went and uh, Bailey peacock Farrell went and, and Janssen was another one where... I think Southampton had put in a bid. Uh, Liverpool was sniffing around at one point, which is obviously, we were like, well, if we're going to lose him, then let's lose him to a, a Premier League 
side and we can go well fair enough you know then it's like it doesn't affect us and we can get some cash in so when it came out and it was really quick our, our local reporter phil hay just reported um like leads have, have had a five million pound bid accepted for pontus jansen it's just like you know what on earth are we doing there five million pounds for the best player in the division um but what came out afterwards is that Pontus Janssen's presence in the dressing room is so toxic that it's cost us. Uh, I, I mean, back in sixteen seventeen, it didn't really cost us promotion, but it cost us the playoffs where he turned the dressing room into his camp. And then the, the other centre-half, Kyle Bartley, had a camp as well. So there was just a massive rift. And he did it the same last year where his ego was so huge that he wanted to play for Leeds, but he didn't want to play for Bielsa, if that makes sense. It's sort of two d- different things. He wanted to play for the shirt and he was so passionate. Uh, and I have no doubt that he will go down as a cult hero. And, you know, after every game, he was, you know, fist bumps at the South Stand and the Swedish roar, the Viking roar, whatever. But in the, the game against Aston Villa, where we let them score a goal... Yeah, he tried to foul actually, the lad. To, you can to actually see he him. tried to foul him. And then you had Gaetano Berardi, who's about eight inches smaller than him going on him and absolutely, you know, giving him, giving him what for. Because, you know, Janssen just thought what he thought was right. And I think now he said in an interview that it was the wrong thing to do or whatever. But I think, you know, most Leeds fans are just sort of, there's, you know, we, we don't really care about him. And, you know, it's sort of come out now that he, that image that you were talking about, he did it on purpose to just sort of be a bit like, you know, Party. he knew yeah. the cameras would be out there and he, he wanted to look like that. And it's just like, do you know what? Um, you know, five million pounds for him is is probably good. Just, you know, whoever wants him. And then Ben White is just, uh, you know, so much better than he, than he is. You know, he is now the best defender in the division just in terms of his, his speed and he can pass the ball. He can beat players. He can, uh, I mean, he hasn't scored yet, but he is, he's decent in the, in the attacking uh, third as well. Um, so yeah, he's just brought a lot more solidity and a lot more calm. I think in terms of you know you don't have that hot headedness at the back anymore, which is is quite nice. Obviously, when you're passing it around the back for most of the game. Um, so you know, for, for Pontus Janssen, me, it's just sort of like, well, you know, whatever. Don't, we we don't care about him anymore. Doesn't play for Leeds. Jason, uh, so I think it the two times there uh, you've obviously said players didn't want to play for Bielsa. Now, I'm sure, obviously, up and down the clubs, there are probably players that don't particularly want to play for their manager, but in some respects, probably have have to keep hold of them players. Bielsa and Lee definitely comes across as one of those people that if they don't show 100% commitment, that then it, they could be the best player in the world. I think he'd get rid of them, to be perfectly honest with you. That's, mm-hmm. that, that is his persona. Um, and obviously, looking personally from us, obviously from the, from the outside in, um, that it does look as if he's probably one of the few, certainly foreign managers that have come over and adopted a style that's not necessarily known in this country. Um, and obviously, for ifs and buts last season, Leeds would have gone up. Let's face that. Um, you know, we mentioned this on a podcast a, a couple of weeks ago for the for the four games against Derby last season. I think for twenty bar. 25 minutes Derby were they were divisions apart let alone you know a couple of places in the league apart so yeah for the want of that I and mean, then obviously elite who knows if Leeds, if the Leeds had got to Wembley then who knows what would have happened but you know they have been the favourites this year obviously they've ironed out whatever 
of a little crack there was last season and, and it's made a big difference. Um, and as I say, I think Bielsa has got them playing in a, in a style of football that's just so many teams want to play in that way, um, but they just not necessarily can play in that way. And I think that is down to the coaching. And I, you know, I, I, For all that he's done and obviously for what was reported last year, you know, Fair enough. He, he was doing it to every other team in the division. Didn't hear many of those complaining about it. Derby yeah. did. It, it's just one of those things. And and he paid the fine himself as well, which, to be fair, I look at it one way. Alfie might look at it a different way, but he took it on his shoulders and he said, look, I, I, yeah, I did it. And you got to respect that into some respect. And then he ended up winning the Fair Play Award from FIFA. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is it. And, you know, it's... It, it comes across... I'm... I'm I, I will know that most Leeds fans will love him. Uh, from the outside, probably he is a love, you know, you either love him or hate him kind of person. But I don't think there's any denying um, what he's obviously managed to achieve with Leeds over over two years and, and what will be the Premier League. Um, it'll be interesting to see how his tactics, tactics fare in that division as well. Um, one of the things that sort of, I wouldn't say baffles me, but one of the things that Corey, we had um, the lad from the Besotted on uh, Brentford podcast yeah. the other day, and he was saying that you know every, every team in that top six has got one or two outstanding players that you know make practically make the team. Now, I appreciate obviously you've got Hernandez at Leeds, and, and I know there are others. I would say that. One of the things that we've certainly said is most teams who have a 25-goal 25 season striker, you're going to be up there. It comes across that Leeds don't really have that. I mean, obviously, you've got Patrick Bamford, who Derby fans know well from the time that he was with us. Um, but obviously, yet yeah, Leeds still get the results. And they still obviously... And it's not just by the odd goal most weeks either. You are putting three and four past, past a lot of teams. Um Obviously, where are the goals coming from? I mean, I appreciate Hernandez. I know he's cropped up certainly over the last couple of games. Uh, obviously, saw him with his last-minute goal the other day against Swansea, which which was a big result and uh, things like that. But obviously, as a, a a number nine, I appreciate Bamford's probably got more goals than I'm than I'm thinking he's got uh, for you to be you know top of the league. But mm-hmm. obviously, any time that I've seen Bamford and knowing you hear certain things, he um, he don't often miss some chances as well, to be perfectly no, honest. That's true. Um, no, it, listen, it's it's one of those things where I think it's it's we are just sort of just changing the, the, the way that championship teams play a little bit. You know, I think a lot of teams, I look at Cardiff a couple of years ago specifically as a team that just, you know, were just long ball merchants. And, and just bullied teams physically into winning games and, and got out of the division that way. And I think it was probably not until, I mean, obviously I, I've not been a, really into the sort of the way teams play until the last couple of years. So I might be uh, saying things wrong, but, you know, last year, you look at Sheffield United, not a particularly good team. And again, in the Premier League, not a particularly good team individually in terms of, you know, you look at their players and you're not going to sign Chris Basham for, um, or a George Baldock for a, you know, a, a, a Chelsea or a Man United because individually they're not good enough. But you put them in a system where, you know, and, and you say, this is what you do. When this happens, this is what you do. This is where you go. This is who you pass it to. 
and any player in the world can look like a world beat. And it's the same with us, where there's only a handful of players in that team who would be poached by top teams. You know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, the goalie, Ilan Melier, um, Ben White, probably, Calvin Phillips, obviously another one. Um, but apart from that, um, you know, maybe the exception of Jack Harrison, but apart from that, I'm not looking at any of those players and thinking individually they're good. You've got a 35-year-old Pablo Hernandez. You've got, uh, you know, Tyler Roberts, who had barely who had barely played any senior football before last season. You know, Melier, who was number two at a, a second division French side. You know, Liam Cooper, who we'd all thought was a League One cast-off before Bielsa came in. Stuart Dallas has been a, an, a, a winger for most of his career. He's 32, and he's now one of the best fullbacks in the division. It's just. Uh, one of those where we just get goals all over the pitch and Bamford's job isn't just to score goals. Obviously, he is the striker. You know, we play 4-1-4-1 four, one, four, one, uh, when we're uh, in, in possession uh, or, or is it out of possession? Then we play like a 3-3-1-3 a three, three, three out of uh, in possession. So Bamford will be there, but he is the one who initiates the press. That's his main job. And he will get in positions that brings other players in. So behind him, he's got two attacking midfielders and two wingers who will make inside runs to sort of, you know, um, and he'll get the ball and knock it off to one of them. So Mateus Clicks, a player who's got a lot of goals this season because, you know, he's the, the one who's right in behind the striker and he can play number 10, but then sometimes he'll drop back and Tyler Roberts will look like a number 10 and sometimes... Jack Harrison, the left winger, will come in and he'll play behind the striker. So it's just such an interchangeable um, system. It's just ridiculous. I think the first time I really realised it was against Stoke. And, you know, we had, we scored a, I think our first goal was scored by our right back. And our right back made a run where he was the furthest forward and he had a chance like on the edge of the six yard box. I mean, I can't think of any other team in the league where that's a, a regular occurrence. And we just, because, you know, we just watch that and think, oh, that's just the way we play. You know, our Dallas is in the box, Aylin's in the box, and these are fullbacks, you know, these are defenders. Um, but, you know, it's just a regular occurrence. It's, it's one of those where Bamford gets a lot of stick, but purely because I think people are still, even our own fans who've been watching this now for, you know, a, a couple of years, you know, a couple of seasons, still don't understand that his job is not just to score goals. And he, and he has missed some sitters. He's had some absolute howlers. And I'm not going to lie, I haven't been, you know, I haven't shied away from criticism of him at times because as a striker, you do have to put goals away. And if he'd performed to like his, his expected goals or whatever, he would be the top scorer. So, but, you know, he scored 16 goals, which isn't bad. And, but what he has done a lot is, is be an integral part of the system. And when he doesn't play, we do look a lot worse and a lot more shaky so that the goals can literally come from anywhere over the pitch. That's the, the aim that Bielsa is going for. And then using Bamford as kind of like a, a key to, to just sort of to unlock defences. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those where you, you don't know who's going to score and, and no player's likely to score a hat-trick as well because everyone's going to get a chance to score at some point. It's funny you mentioned Stuart Dallas because I think in the two playoff semi-final games, I think he got three goals. He got three of Leeds' goals, especially towards the end. Uh, in the second leg, he got two. I know he was on a hat-trick to, to finish that off. So, you know, yeah, it does It does seem like they do attack a lot from the fullbacks, especially with Ailing, like you say, getting um, into good positions in Dallas as well. And another player I wanted to mention who, I'll be honest with you, I have this weird – I really like him, uh, Elioski, because you can see it. He's always scheming in his eyes. 
right? Like it's like a, yeah. it's like, it's like a water break and he's thinking like, how can I get a goal or how can I win a free kick? And then it's like, he's not even on the pitch yet. So um, obviously he doesn't start every time. I know sometimes he starts on uh, right midfield. He starts right fullback, left back, left midfield, whatever. Um, what, what's his season kind of been like with him? Cause I know he's, he's, He's a little bit. He's a little bit of these different things. He's a little bit of a henchman, but he's also can turn it on and play a little bit. But he's also kind of a little bit of a moaner. He's all these different things rolled up into one little, one little guy, you know. And I just, I just like him. Yeah. Well, he's he's up. I mean, he's absolutely nuts to start. He's, he's absolutely crazy. I'm not. I'm not sure how it's come about, but this season he's just absolutely crazy. We've got this thing called Janny Camp where, and it's they film him coming in every. Um, every match, they like the LUTV guys just there with a camera, and he comes up and says something or does a little like dance or, or something. He's just he's just absolutely crackers, but he he is a cracking player, and he is exactly the type of player that Bielsa likes, where he will just run for ninety minutes. He, he's not, I mean, he's got a little bit of skill, and and we brought him in after I think he's he was the top scorer in the Swiss league, so he played a season as a striker. We brought him in, played him as a winger. He's now playing as a left left back slash left wing back. Um, so he, but he's not particularly skillful. He's he's quick, but not you know he's not got blistering pace. You wouldn't expect him to out to really outrun anyone um, at any point. And and he does a lot of of quite crazy things. He tries like overhead kicks from the edge of the box and stuff. And but yeah, I mean we just love him because he he is just a, an absolute crackerjack. And he, but he's he's just at times he can come on and, and make us look more solid. And then at times he can come on and be an absolute maverick and, you know, go about getting a yellow card in the first couple of minutes and then you put everyone on edge. But yeah, he, one, of, one of those where you don't really know what, which Alioski is going to turn up, but he's, he's an incredibly dynamic player. I think, I think he's turned out at right back, left back, left wing and right wing this season. Um, as well as I think he popped up at number ten in the last couple, in the dying minutes of, of some game I can't remember which one. So you know another one of of those players like Dallas and like Aylin where the the utility is there where they can play four or five different positions. And yeah, he's, he is a game changer. So you know he might deserve a shot in the Premier League, but I'm not sure if he's got the quality for that. We've missed we've missed one of those kind of maverick players for a few years, haven't we, Jason? Yeah, absolutely. I like he, he's Alioski is, is somebody that I've any time I've watched Leeds, he's always he's always been a threat. Obviously, I don't watch him week in week out, but certainly whenever I've seen him, um, he, he's always looked a pretty decent player. As you say there, Alfie, he, you know, I would say any team, obviously, with, with what you've got, deserve the crack at the Premier League. Um, how Premier League ready are Leeds in terms of players? Uh, obviously, the, and the style. It's going to be interesting, as we say. It, it's definitely a strange style that Bielsa plays, and I think it's caught certainly last season. It certainly caught one or two Championship teams off guard. Then this year, it's obviously you've played it for twelve months, and it, it's now part and parcel of the way the way that Leeds are. It, it's obviously effective. Um, obviously, we know that styles change. You mentioned on the Sheffield United. It's not pretty at times. At the end of the day, it's got them. It's got them pushing for Europe this season. You know, Wolves have done it a different way. That we, we mentioned this, Corey, the other day. You know, about teams going up, um, playing in strange styles, um, and unfortunately, sometimes what's good enough for the Championship isn't style-wise always always good enough for the Premier League. Um, what do you think Leeds' chances would be? Would it be a heavy um, transfer market for them? Obviously, you would expect any team to go up would have to bring 
some little glimpses of quality in. As you say, you've not necessarily got an out-and-out striker. Is that something that you're going to need in the Premier League? Obviously, you've got Hernandez, who at 35, 36, is he going to be able to play week in, week out in the Premier League? I mean, he certainly deserves it. Obviously, when he's, he's been there and done it with Swansea, you know, uh, well, probably 10 years ago now, when you think about it. Um, how much tinkering will the side need, do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think Bielsa will, want, Bielsa will want to keep most of it the same, I think. But just in terms of some in individual quality, there are some positions that do need some improving. Uh, striker will definitely be one for me. Um, I think uh, possibly looking at a centre-half if we can't get Ben White, obviously he would be our first choice. But, I mean, if, if Brighton will sell that, something that we're going to have to see that they've slapped £35 million on him. Um, but, you know, th there's a couple of lone players like Jack Harrison would be looking to bring in. I think City are looking to sell him for £8 million and Melier, the keeper, is, is about five. And a apart from that, there are, you know, maybe maybe a fullback. I'd say there's three or four players. That's that's all we would need. And I think that's all Bielsa would be willing to bring in. Because obviously, you look at, at last year and any team after a, a playoff semi-final defeat of that magnitude would go, right, well, we're going to just rebuild now. And he brought, he brought in Ben White. He brought in Hel Helder Costa, of course, who we've got permanently now. Um, and he brought in, brought in Melier. And I think he, he uh, apart from that, in terms of the summer, that was it. And then we obviously signed a couple of players in January who've done very little in terms of their involvement. So, yeah, I'd say we'd probably need three or four. And it, it looks like Bielsa's going to be get, given around 60 to 80 million to improve the team. So, you know, but the, the system itself, I think, is Premier League ready. And um, you just look at, I mean, obviously our system is not nowhere near as good as Man City's, but that is, you know, Guardiola's style of playing is derived from Marcelo Bielsa. You know, it's like, it, it's quite a, a well-known anecdote that he flew to Argentina for a 24-hour sort of chat about football with Bielsa. And he then adapted that style of play to be more effective. Because let, to be honest, I mean, obviously, like, I mean, I've actually just seen that Huddersfield have gone 1-0 up. So actually, as, as it stands, we are a Premier League team. But, you know, w w whether that... Um, that pure Bielsa ball will be too much for the Premier League in, in terms of, you know, it's, he, he hasn't had the greatest of success. Um, and, and at times it can leave us exposed defensively. So whether we'll, you know, he'll change it and play a bit more like Guardiola, where we'll set up a bit more defensively minded as well and sort of um, do that. But I'm, I'm not really sure, but, you know, the, the system will, will probably be fine it's just sort of individual quality at, at times in big games does show up to lack and um, to lack a little bit and um, you know I think Nottingham Forest um, away was a, a, a one where we could have done with a bit more individual quality certainly from the bench which at, at the moment is sort of every game it's half academy players um, you know but Bielsa is, is not a normal manager so he, he might want to keep it mainly the same but you know, uh, I'd say, yeah, a full-back, a uh, centre-half, an uh, attacking midfielder and a striker. And I think, you know, we get that and then we're pretty much there. Yeah, I, I must admit, as you say, it's, again, looking from the outside in, uh, you're quite right with what you say. I mean, you have got some pretty well-seasoned championship players. Obviously, it is about taking that next step up. Um, but as you said, I think it's, it is going to be intriguing 
um, to see. Not like you say, Bielsa, we were saying, Corey, um, we were talking about Brentford's uh, obviously recruitment policy and how they keep managing to, you know, churn them out of absolutely nowhere and turn them into turn them into stars. Bielsa, to me, obviously with his experience, comes across as one of those people that, that can do that. He can work the European market, which is, we've said, Corey, something Derby just unfortunately don't do enough. Um, and it, it just goes to show you that, that sprinkle it with that little bit of European quality, it, it just goes to show you what that can actually do. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. also what you're going to find is people like Alioski, you know, in addition to the scouting, those kind of players are a lot cheaper because they're coming from non-premier markets, right? If you're going to get, you know, you look at a young 18-year-old English fullback, Jaden Bogle, Jaden Bogle, for instance, um, you know, that's going to come at a premium because you've got the English premium, you've got the young player, whatever. But then when you go to like the Macedonian League or the Belarusian League or the Romanian League, all of a sudden it's a different kettle of fish because these teams are not financially well off. So I think, yeah, Alfie, you know, like Jason said, it doesn't look like sometimes our scouts have a passport to even go outside the British Isles. We only really sign players from England and Scotland. We don't even go to Wales very often, you know, to, to, to look at a player. Um, and we end up paying premiums, you know, four and a half million for Nick Blackman, which was an expensive mistake, as was a Kachianya, which was also, we're just not going to talk about that. That's just bad. Um, but, you know, yeah, it does seem like they kind of get these players out of nowhere and kind of turn them in. I mean, Matthias Click, look, I think the guy's a complete jerk. Don't get me wrong, but he's an amazing footballer. And would I have him at Derby? Yeah, 100%. He might be – I hate him when he, when, he, when he plays against Derby when you see him because he's, he's like such a pest and he's always around. He's always moaning about something, but he pops up and he scores important goals and, and he's always involved. Same with Alioski. They're always involved in things. And often too many times with Derby, you get players that just are not – just not involved at all. They just disappear for like an hour. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I didn't even realize this guy was playing or whatever. Um, so you've talked a little bit about Bielsa. Obviously, they missed out on promotion last year. Has it been a, a revolution or has it been an evolution in his second season? And then what what's led to whatever it has been? What's the change been this season that's got leads over the line or almost to that finish line? Um. Yeah, in terms of the uh, categorising it as a word, I would say it was a revolution last season, but an evolution this season because we are playing largely the same type of football and the same problems do exist for large parts of this season. We have been incredibly wasteful of chances and, and results like uh, beating Stoke 5-0, you know, those kind of results have been threatened to come for a while, but they just haven't been coming long enough. Um, you know, Actually, I would, I would probably say that you know, the 1-1 draw between Leeds and Derby at Elland Road was very, very flattering from a Derby perspective. You know, was, we should yeah, have abso- yeah. but we, you know, we should have absolutely hammered you, but you've done what a lot of teams have come to do, which is to, you know, absorb the pressure and just sort of ride the luck a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's people who say it's not football, it's not, you know, this, that and the other, but actually it's sort of a compliment to have teams come there and, and try and frustrate you because it's because they know that we're just so good. So, um, but this season, I think just the, it's a mentality thing again, um, just to have some players to come in some, in some key positions like uh, Ben White, for example. Um, but, but, you know, Helder Costa is another one who, who hasn't quite been there, but players who will freshen it up, who don't have that mental baggage of, of, of being there and, uh, you know, being absolutely distraught on the pitch after the, the playoff semi-final defeat. Um, we've just we, we've played a lot more 
a lot more conservatively, I think. Uh, we've played a lot more defensively. Uh, you know, we, we like we didn't score more than a goal at home until November this season. We were winning, uh, well, we, we were either winning 1-0 or not winning. You know, like against Derby, it was 1-1, which, you know, it should have been, whatever, 4-5-6 on, on that day. So, uh, yes, it, it, but it has evolved and we've got better as the season's gone on. We've played, we, we've been a lot more clinical and, Bamford's had some some spurts of form, but ones where it's like he'll score five in eight and then he'll score none in ten and then he'll score another five in eight and then it's just sort of one of those frustrating things. So we, I think you've played... just summed up Patrick Bamford's career in a nutshell. Yeah, it is. It's 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 incredibly it is incredibly frustrating because I think he has actually finally found a system where where he works. You know, I, I mean. When when we signed him, I was thinking, yeah, that's a huge name, you know, and we, we've paid £10 million for him, I think, with the bonuses. It was £7 million plus add-ons, whatever. But actually, you look at his career and he's had one good season before, you know, arguably before this season when he's got 16 with, with Middlesbrough. But, you know, they, he then went on to Palace where he didn't score. He went on to, to Derby where I don't think he did very well. And uh, Burnley, I know that Sean Dyche is, was, well, you know, it, it basically questioned his physicality, questioned his mentality. I think he had a stint at Norwich where he didn't do so well. So just one of those players where I think they've ridden the wave of, of being a really good young player at Middlesbrough and, and obviously a Chelsea Academy graduate. But, you know, um, he's finally found a system where he is, he's worked and, and he can use his... He's not blessed with pace. He's not blessed with with real strength he's got strength because he's tall but and he's not blessed with anything of a right foot I mean he might as well be one-footed he's so so strongly left-footed it's actually quite it's really frustrating at times um but he just he will just run all day and, and his mentality has changed last season where you know he, he was getting frustrated with the crowd and then all of a sudden and something just clicked on and he runs hard and he wins ball he, he wins like the there was a point on, um, I think, well, yesterday where he was winning the ball, like on our back line. He was running all the way back to win it from from one of their strikers. So, you know, just just one of those guys where it's been a career of frustration. So I'm I'm actually really happy for him now that he, that he's the guy, probably one of the most underrated players in our system, and and you know he's going to be the striker that that the top scorer in what is hopefully our promotion season. You touched on it a little bit there. You talked about, um, you know, kind of the emotion, kind of the emotional players that Leeds had. Um, the emotion, obviously, we know that Ellen Road is an intimidating atmosphere to go to when it's full. Um, but I, I can imagine it's also a very, um, it's very emotional in the stands. And I know sometimes, you know, obviously, if you go to, to go to Derby games, Jason goes every week, he'll, he'll tell you one or two mistakes. The crowd starts to get on the players. The crowd starts to get a little bit restless. And what I noticed in... Um, a couple of the Leeds games I watched last season and definitely in the playoff final, you know, as soon as Derby got that goal at halftime with Jack Marriott, the crowd seemed to get nervous. And I think that kind of radiated down and built up on top of these players. So, you know, have Leeds had that similar problem this year? Do you think playing in front of no fans, obviously it's a much smaller sample size. It's only eight games as opposed to 30. Um, but do you think that's going to, well, you're pretty much in the Premier League now, but do you think, if games continue behind closed doors, they're slated to return in October. We don't know what that's going to look like. Do you think that'll help Leeds in terms of being able to sit down and play the system and not worry 
I hate to say it, but play towards the crowd because a misplaced pass or like a Bamford continuing miss shots, people are going to continue to get on his back. Do you think that that'll, that'll change them? Obviously not necessarily this season because there's only two games left and you're already up pretty much, but into the start of next season, especially if there's going to be behind closed doors. Um, yeah, look, the, the, you're completely right. And it works both ways. The crowd is intimidating for visiting teams, but you've got to remember there's 22 players on that pitch, not just 11. And I think at times it has affected us this season. It depends on what the score is, to be honest. Um, we, got, we got beat at home by Wigan this season, just purely by a fluke goal where we had about 25 shots. They had about three. And at about 70 minutes, you're 1-0 down and all we're doing is attacking and you know, every mistake is booed and, and jeered and it does play on the players' minds. But equally, when we were 2-0 down against Millwall and, and we brought it back, that crowd, we wouldn't have done that if the crowd wasn't there. If we were 2-0 down against, against Millwall at home in lock, um, after lockdown, that wouldn't have happened. The, the crowd did, did gee them up. It vis- visibly did. You know, we got that goal back and then just the, the crowd's just absolutely electric when that happened and, and the, just the eruption that they feel when, um, when, they, when we equalised and then when we scored the winner. Um, you know, it does help them. But, you know, I think um, one, one of those really where the players are never going to say that, you know, the crowd's rubbish and they wish they weren't there. Obviously, they're not going to say that even if they do think it. But I think at times it must just be really hard, especially for Bamford, who's got a lot of stick from the stands this season for some absolute sitters. Um, and you know, but but people pay that people pay their hard-earned cash to go and see football, so they've got a right to to demand more. Um, and especially when they know how good we can play, when they don't, it is frustrating. Even if we are top, of, even if we were twenty points clear at the top of the league, someone would still find something to complain about. That's just the type of fan base we are. But. You know, I think maybe having no fans in stadiums has made it maybe more easy to communicate. I think um, Liam Cooper said at times that he has to really shout, and that sometimes they have to come up with non-verbal codes uh, to to signal where to put a pass or where to go. So I think in terms of that way, obviously that makes it um, a little less pressure off. So they know that if they do make a mistake, then they're less likely to be to be booed for it. But I think even if they weren't, I, I don't think the result would have been much uh, much dissimilar from, from where we are now. I've got two more questions for you, Alfie, and then I'll turn it back over to Jason. Okay. Um, so, a year ago, you're a Leeds fan. Derby come. We know what happens at Elland Road. Rams go to Wembley. A year later you're literally basically 45 minutes away from the Premier League and potentially with the Huddersfield result and 90 minutes uh, and a point away from the Premier League on on Sunday. How is your mood today versus what it was a year ago? Walk us through your emotions after that playoff defeat. Um, And then then obviously today uh, with what I would assume would be elation um, to get back to to the Premier League. Yeah, um, look, last last year was 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 probably the lowest point I've ever had as a Leeds fan. Just, um, you know, I, I mean, would I have taken third in a, a playoff semi final defeat before Bielsa came in? Probably yes, but just after the the highs of that season, the extreme highs, you know, we had some brilliant results like, um, you know, the last minute winner away to Aston Villa was a particular highlight, and um, the four nil win against West Brom and. I mean, I hate to say it, but the 4-1 win against against Derby was probably the first time that we thought 
wow, we've got a, we've got a real chance here, even though it was the second game of the season. Um, but it it was just painful. Just after it was just the the most poetic ending. I think just after all that had happened, and you know, after Spygate and after you know, absolutely dominate. Let, let's let's be honest. You know, outplaying Derby for three of those four games, and and arguably the first half of that playoff semi final, and and all it took was was one mistake. So. Um, but you know, for me, like Frank Lampard is is actually my footballing idol, and I always wanted to be Frank Lampard. I always wanted to be a centre mid because of him. So to see him um, walking around the Ellen Road pitch doing that, and he it felt like he was looking at me when he did it. And it, it, I took that particularly personally. I've just about forgiven him now, um, just about. Um, but yeah, I think um, it it was just one of the one of the hardest um, sort of one of those you don't really know what to say like you don't really know how to describe that and I remember walking back to the car after that game with my dad just saying like in complete silence because literally 45 minutes to an hour earlier we had the t- we had like the the train line open ready to book tickets to go down to London because we were one nil up and then all of a sudden they go down the other end and Kiko makes a, a clanger and um, Jack Marriott scores so um, just that total, you know, from going from absolutely up here to right down at the bottom um, was just such a roller coaster for us. But I think in the long run, probably a, a reset point in terms of like, you know, we really, we don't want to feel like that again. So let's make sure we get, we do it. We don't have to do the playoffs again. Um, so yeah, just uh, one, of, one of those moments in, in football, you just don't, you, you never ever want to feel like that again, and and I hope now that we don't. Jason, same same to you. How do you feel a year later? Well, I mean, in terms of uh, where we are in the league, of course, we we did take a step back. Uh, we we have gone a different direction now. Obviously, under under new management again. Um, I mean, I've said to this, you, this to you Corey uh, obviously I was at the at the first leg I can't really remember Derby getting out of their own half um, went to Ellen Road not in any with no confidence whatsoever and as you say Alfie you know Derby they weren't really in the first leg they weren't really in the, the second leg um, but as soon as you scored, it may as well. We thought it was game over. Yeah, and then, yeah. I mean, one mistake, and I think, in all fairness, what one of the things that happened quite a bit last season with Derby was obviously there from people looking into Derby from from the outside. Their three key players, Mount Wilson, Tamori, they they didn't really when when they didn't show up. I mean, what I'm about to say now is going to be pretty obvious, but when they didn't show up, Derby struggled. There was no doubt about that. And I didn't think in any game against Leeds, those particular trio turned up. Um, and I don't know what was... Obviously, the goal just before half-time. That goal doesn't come before half-time. Even if that goal comes two minutes into the second half, I think it's a completely different time. Like going in, in that final couple of minutes, whatever Lampard obviously said in that dressing room, I can imagine what he said. You know, we, we were in there. We were in that game at 1-1. Um, and I remember I, it was... Even still at 1-1, you're one goal away. 
but then, like you say, you go back to what had happened over the previous three or four fixtures, and you were like, yeah, this isn't this. It's the reality is, chances are you weren't Derby weren't going to get anything from it, and then of course it, it does, and obviously the elation of of what happened, and you know, going to Wembley, which I did, and it, you know that was all great, and unfortunately it ended in a in a in a bad way, but. You know, obviously that Villa side were were pretty incredible on, on a pretty incredible run. So, and then of course, you know, the management changes. You lose arguably your three best players. All that goes out the window, and then you open the new chapter of the being a Derby County fan this season with everything that's gone off off the pitch. Two weeks ago, Corey, we we honestly had a belief that we could get into those playoffs and they were dashed very, very quickly. Um, Makes us look a bit silly now, Jason, to be honest. Well, it, it does. Because <laughs> in two weeks, it's like, like you, Alf, it's just been a slow, steady decline, like as Derby. And we were on here, we were like, oh, playoffs. And now it's just kind of, yeah, let's just get this over with. <laughs> well, it is. And th- there, is, there are things to be, obviously there were things opt- to be optimistic about 12 months ago, that we, you know, after the Wembley final. We pretty much not far after that Wembley final heard the heard heard the rumblings obviously about Lampard and Chelsea, and I pretty much early on was like, Mate, he's gone. There's no way he would stay. While it dragged on for as long as it did, I don't know. Which obviously, as we've said, Corey, it's it's probably hampered us this season. Um, we we are now playing a completely different style of football. Um, but with the majority of the same players, which, in all fairness, probably weren't that good last year either for the majority of the season. So, to be honest with you, for us to even be in the same shout as the playoffs with, obviously now, only two games to go and we're not going to get there. We we want to finish the season strong. There are a couple of players, in my opinion, that are playing for the futures at Derby, um, especially with how we're trying to, bring the youngsters through. Uh, Obviously, you can't do it all in one go. Um, But I'm not so sure Derby were in a position to... Obviously, if they'd have gone up, if they had a win at Wembley, then you take it. But I don't think Derby were in a position to to go up last season. Uh, Same as they're certainly not in no better position now, 12 months down the line. The only thing I think what we have got a little bit more now, even though the quality is not quite there at the moment, we have got more stability in in terms of a, a, a management setup, and the future is looking bright. I mean, we we could sit here in twelve months' time and say, "Cock, it was an absolute waste of time." We don't know that, of course. We might um, be saying that, to be honest. Well, we might, we <laughs> might, we, we we just don't Very know. Good shout. Yeah, we well, we just don't know, do we? And that and that's the thing. But I mean. It's very difficult to compare the two seasons for, for Derby in terms of, like, like Alfie said, their leads. There's been they no evolution. The manager. Yeah, they, they, well, they have the same manager. Leeds had pretty much the same yeah. players. They had the same style. They had the same philosophy. They had, the, they had all that. Derby have gone from absolute chalk and cheese the last two seasons. Um, and that's where it's difficult. To, yeah. to really nail on an answer to that question. Yeah, I would argue that we're in a better place now, Alfie, than what we were a year ago. And yeah. right. although we're lower in the league, we're more Premier League ready today than what we were a year ago. 
Yeah, I'd probably say so. And and that's weird because we're going to finish okay. 10th mid-table and we're dropping like a stone, but that that's 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 the weird that's the weird feeling. And I know I know for me after watching that game and having feeling the elation, the Villa defeat, I, I never really I I hope we were going to win, but I always had a feeling Villa were that team that were going to go. And it hurt when Lampard left. And, and Jason will tell you, it took me a long time to get over that, kind of like getting really? over, kind of like getting over next. It took me like so long. I was sitting there and I was like, I, this guy is just not the same personality. He's not the same personality. And then all of a sudden I had this, I, I just stepped away from the podcast because I was going on these rants and I was just getting, just getting, it was just bad. It was just bad. And, uh, yeah, and I just had just had this rethink, and I thought, wait a minute, you know, let me think of this this situation. And yeah, I think we're we're definitely in a much better place now, even though we're lower down the table than what we were a year ago, because we had three top end Premier League talents and still couldn't get up. Yeah. And so it was like literally, literally just plastering over a. It was like putting plaster over the Grand Canyon. Massive. Like you, you could just you could just see like when Mount got injured against Accrington, like our season just. Just gone. We're just done. That's it. And, and, and you know, now they're playing internationally. They play for England, playing the Premier League and stuff. And so, you know, that was that was that. But I want to switch gears to now before I turn it over to Jason. Um, who is your number one or the first two key danger men tomorrow? That uh, or sorry, on Sunday, that Derby need to be aware of, and and how do you stop them? Um. Well, I mean, that's quite a tricky question, and I mean, as I've said before it's 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 the whole team it players you need to watch out for and in terms of ones who could damage them sort of by themselves I would say uh, Tyler Roberts and Jack Harrison are definitely the two players that I would say have that individual quality I mean these are starters obviously Pablo Hernandez is our is our best player and, and when he comes on if, if you don't man mark him or don't stop him effectively then he will he, he will punish anyone really it's not it doesn't matter who you are in this league um but you know Tyler Roberts has been threatened for a while in terms of he's got that quality to uh, to to use a skill move to to nutmeg someone or or whatever and Jack Harrison is the same Helder Costas probably could but he hasn't done it as much but there's definitely that kind of player in there um but basically if you just look at I mean, obviously, this it just shows how hard it is to actually play this system because, you know, Barnsley have been playing the way they've been playing last night against us all season. They're bottom of the league, but it does just show that their the the away game against Barnsley was another tough game, and that one last night is the the only game this season where a team has actually matched us. You know, look, we've lost games all season, but you know, we we got beat by Forest, but they just they just you know. Took advantage of free kicks and corners, went long ball and got a few lucky goals. Same with QPR, they rode their luck, got a, a lucky goal when we lost that game. Wigan again, and it was a freak goal. Um, but actually, in terms of matching us as a team, only Barnsley have done that, and it does just show that you know not every team can play this kind of system. It's not as if sort of like one week, um, you know, it's not as if Philip Cocky is going to go, oh yeah, okay, we're going to play like Barnsley did because. You know, you don't you don't have the players to play that way, but you know what you can do is try and press presses when we're under pressure. Um, so, you know, if if Derby come out and try and press us in our third, then you'll you'll get chances because we can't handle the pressure. So, 
That's not. Yeah, gonna I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you will do that or not. <laughs> That's not going to happen at all. <laughs> well, but, but, the, the, but the alternative to that is if you sit back and try and get us on the counter, then teams have beaten us like that before, and that's that's probably the the option that you'll go for because most teams do go for that. But um, you know, I mean, it depends how much you've got to play for. I'm not sure how this result will affect the table or how tomorrow's um, results will affect. But you know, I'm, I'm sure that before this game, that Derby could still just about mathematically getting the playoffs, but it's a very, very long shot. So Yeah, we need like eight scores to be 5-0 one way or 5-0 another. And yeah. then we can squeak in if we beat Leeds like 9-0, we can, we can get in there. So there's a chance. Yeah. Small sliver of hope. But, and also, I think teams, teams will play better when they have nothing to play for because I think it's just sort of like, well, you might as well go out with a bang. And, and obviously, you've, it seems like you've got a few decent young players. Yeah, I, I mean, I say that, you know, you said you're looking at, at Derby, Derby in a vacuum, but I really haven't been paying attention to much else apart from Leeds in the league, just purely because it demands so much attention. There's been so much to get excited about. But uh, yeah, I'm looking at um, like Louis Sibley as, as, you know, I saw the highlights of that match the other week and he looks a cracking player. And, you know, obviously you've got um, that ex-Man United player, um, number 32, I think he is, who, who looks like an all right, um, all right player. Um, he, did, he did up until a couple of weeks ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Well, you know, he might be passing it to Lee. Oh, good job, Lee's won't be wearing white because I was going to say he'd be just passing to him all the time. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I, I mean, as you, I, I mean, I, I trust you that you say you're in a better position. But you know, youth does look, look like the way to go. Jaden Bogle's a player who I would definitely have at Leeds in terms of you know a, a young right back with pace and tenacity who could easily command 15, 20 million from a, a Premier League side. So, um, yeah, it's, it's probably not in terms of the players to stop. It's terms, in terms of just stopping us playing, playing through. Because, you know, if, if you come out and play attacking, you know, attacking football, then, then we'll play through you. But, you know, I, I guess we'll see because we might have something to play for. But we might not. It depends how the next sort of, next sort of hour goes. But, um, yeah, I think it'll, I think it'll be a, a good match, whatever, full-blooded. So I, I lied. I've got one more question for you. And this is, this is a shout out to our friends on the American Underdog Soccer Podcast, Maddie and Marcus. They were talking about Jack Harrison the other day. Obviously, he was at Wake Forest University here. He's an Englishman, went to Wake Forest, got drafted number one in the MLS Super Draft to New York City, moved over to their sister club, Manchester City, and now he's at Leeds. Can you sum up Jack Harrison's season in two sentences or three sentences? Um, much better than last season. Uh, probably, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I'd probably go over two or three sentences here, but um, he, he just last year he, he had the pace, he had the skill, he just didn't have the final product. But he went back to America and he worked with a personal trainer. He came back strong and fast, and and he's delivered. I think he's doubled his goal involvements this year. So yeah, um, most improved, I would say, to sum him up in two words. You're gonna sign him full time. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully. I mean, he's playing at Man City, and, and even though he is good, I don't see him getting past Sterling or, or whoever they sign in the summer. So, yeah, it looks like eight million they're going to command for him, which, to be honest, is an absolute snap, bargain. Really, so, yeah. yeah, so, so de- yeah, we'll definitely look for that, and it looks like he wants to move as well. Fair enough, Jason. Final question from me before we do a score prediction, if we have to, uh, since right. that's what we do on this podcast. Um, no, sorry, I'm going to lie. It's two questions. One's a serious one. One's a bit more of a jokey question. Um, the jokey question first, will Leeds United expect a guard of honour from Derby on Sunday? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if they'll expect it, but um, some fans might, uh, yeah, some fans, not me, of course, might um, of course see not. that as being quite, uh, <laughs> quite, 
quite good. But uh, yeah, look, I mean, it would be better if the whole stadium had to give us a guard of honour. That would be um, quite sweet. But um, no, I don't know. It, dep- it depends what happens because if, if we get promotion, then, um, you know, and then, you know, if we lose against, uh, I mean, I'm, the, the thing is, I'm not sure because. I think if Brentford lose or draw, then we will we then we'll be champions, not just promoted. Uh, I think anyway. Um, but you know, I mean, they're not going to give us a guard of honour just for getting promotion. So you know, it, 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 you might not have to anyway. But I don't I don't think they'll expect it. No, honestly, <laughs> they might get it anyway. Not sure. I don't think so. But um, <laughs> uh, the, the final question you just mentioned it there champions does it matter about Leeds going up as champions um no it honestly doesn't and I think we've thought about that a long time where um I mean obviously it does make it better we're not going to lie where when I say obviously I would prefer to go up as champions because obviously you'd want to have um the picture of the team with the trophy but you know we need to get promotion lockdown first that's that's the obvious the obvious one and you know I've said um for a long time that the only difference between uh, first and second is the fact that you get a trophy you know you both get promoted and you look at Norwich, they win the league, finish bottom of the Premier League, Sheffield United finish second, pushing for Europe. So it really doesn't matter. But yeah, it would be just the icing on the cake, really. Yeah, I was going to say, the icing on the cake to what has been... I think you're right, Corey, from something you said right at the beginning. That Leeds have been the best team that I've seen. Brentford have been very, very close. I would say that. Uh, the entire season, quite, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Leeds, pretty much since day one, obviously when uh, we seen them I have to say they they thought I think they pretty much deserved it last year this year obviously quality doesn't lie in the end of the day at the end of the day and they've managed yeah. to do it which is which is fair enough to I have to take my hat off um, as much as it pains me to say it but uh, <laughs> score predictions <laughs> bloody hell Corey where, where do we go with this one um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll I think you go I'll, first I'll, you never go first I, I will go first I think I I really don't know which way Koku's going to go with the selection on Sunday um, because on, although it's not mathematically done, it's done. Uh, even Koku in his pre-match in, uh, in his yeah, post-match interview on yeah. Tuesday said it was done. He, he's pretty confident it, it's all over. So obviously there has been a few kids, uh, Sibley coming in. He's, he's played five or six games on the spin. There's a couple of other youngsters that have been on the bench over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we actually finished the West Brom game last Tuesday, Tuesday before, with nine, eight, nine academy players on the pitch. Um, and you could you could tell the difference in quality, of course. Would, would will he go that way on Sunday to give them minutes just to to get them involved? I think it would be suicidal if he did. Um, in terms of the reaction that Derby fans would have, especially with it being against Leeds. Um, our final game on Wednesday is against Birmingham away. If he did it against that one, I don't think anybody would give two hoots, to be perfectly honest with you. But I think if he was to do it against Leeds on Sunday, I think that there'd be a few people, a uh, few, few Derby fans disgruntled. So I would expect him to put out a, a fairly solid side. I mean, let's face it, other than West Brom on uh, last Saturday, Derby's own record for the last six months has been pretty has been pretty decent. Um, there's not been many teams that have come and, and beat us. And there's not been too many teams that have come and got a result against us. So, 
it's a difficult one. I we we all predicted that West Brom, uh, sorry, that Brentford would blow us away just with the form that they're in. And I think obviously the only other side that really are in a similar similar vein of form are Leeds at the minute. And as you say, I think it will depend on if it's definitive on Sunday that you've that you promoted and and what have you. I think if you've got anything in terms to play for on Sunday, it Derby are not gonna. Um, are not going to do too well, to be perfectly honest with you. I think for the last four games in a row, we've gifted teams goals. Um, I don't see that changing, especially with Bamford, with the way that he presses. Derby likes to knock it around the back and for some reason keep liking to give the ball away. Um, and Bamford plays into, into that role pretty well. So, I'm I'm going to have to not be optimistic. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to say Leeds probably win two um, one. I'm going to go two one. I think. Corey. Yeah, I think uh, Kaku will play. He'll make some changes, but he'll play the full team. And I think it'll I think it'll be a, a two two nil Leeds win. Alfie. Um, yeah, I'm I'm going to agree with Jason. I'm going to go two one. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet, but um, yeah, I mean I've got to go for us to win. So. Uh, you know, whether we have something to play for or not, I'm not sure. But, you know, we might make a few changes. And, I mean, hopefully it'll be an interesting game. Um, you know, it, 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 always something goes on when when it's Leeds Derby. It's a big game anyway. So, yeah, we, we might see something different. But, uh, you know, if we do have something to play for, then, yeah, I hope we do get it. But, yeah, I'm going 2-1, I think. Right. Well, there's the predictions in. Um We've been wrong on most of them, Corey. <laughs> so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Derby Derby might get that four 0 win, and who knows? But uh, I doubt it very much. But anyway, time is up on the podcast for this week. Um, Alfie, thank you very much. Um, That's all right. Thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. As I say, all the I have to say all the best as a as a professional podcaster. Um, we are professionals, right? We are. We okay. are. <laughs> we try to be. Um, <laughs> although it's slightly it slightly pains me to say it, but. In all fairness, the history between Derby and Leeds was well before I was born, so I can put a professional hat on and and say, to be fair, a team who's played like that for the best part of two years now, let's face it, you know, there's only one way that they're going, in all fairness, so I, I'll congratulate them now because I don't think you're going to throw it away. Um, and as we said, I'd just like to see Brentford join them, to be perfectly honest with you, as the two best teams in the league, what I believe have been this year, it, it could only be fitting that them two go up. So, all the best. Um, you. And you and, as well, hopefully. Yeah, we've en- yeah, we've well. enjoyed the chat, Alfie. But hopefully, we're not talking next we year have. because you'll be in the Premier League. Yeah, hopefully. And then not yeah. the year after that because you'll be down and we'll be back up. So yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. We can dream. We can dream. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, Alfie. Thanks very much, mate. Okay. Appreciate Thanks it, mate. See you. Take yeah. care. Bye. Our thanks to Alfie um, from the LS Eleven podcast. There we go. I got the name right. Um, and all the best for the game on Sunday. So we're going to switch gears and we're going to move into what was pretty much the end of the road for Derby County's promotion push this season um, against which, well, I think you might agree, Corey, if you've seen much of the game, was a pretty lackluster Cardiff side as well. They, they, they again, another, another game that we gift them a goal and then they don't really have to get out of second gear to keep hold of a result, to be perfectly honest with you. And then, obviously, the second goal from Rooney, yet again, another mistake from him. That's three or four in three weeks now. It's You, you can just see he's, he's not the same player since the restart, unfortunately. And um, and in, in it's game over. But again, very similar to the Brentford game, I thought, you know, we were sluggish to start off with. 
sort of fought our way back into the game. Whereas against Brentford, we played some good stuff for 10, 15, 10 minutes, then got a goal. The goal against, uh, against Cardiff kind of came against sort of the run of play, if you want to put it that way. Um, and we never really threatened again in the second half, which, you know, for obviously we spoke last week um, with Nigel last, last week. You know, it was a game that neither side really could afford to pro- probably afford to draw. And I just, I, I expect it to open up a bit more. And I don't think it really did. Um, certainly from a Derby perspective. And again, you know, a mistake. Another mistake costing us, costing us yet again. I mean, that's got to be a fair few points over the last three or four games. And ultimately, that's the difference between a top six side and, and one that's just peaking in peaking top half, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cardiff, I don't think... Um, Cardiff or no Brentford... Uh, that's no disrespect to them. They're just not. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, another, lacklux, another lackluster display. Obviously, Gaku made the big decision of changing his goalkeeper. Um, you know, but if you're going to start dropping people for making mistakes, then like we said last week and like we've said the week before, there's, there's several other people that you should be dropping as well. Um, again, it mathematically eliminates Darby, but I do think in some respects it could be a bl- blessing in disguise. Um, it takes the pressure off the players. And, you know, for the past, what, four or five years, Darby's always been in a playoff fight up until the last weeks of the season. And so it's a, it's a, it's a real chance now for Darby to, to play two games without any expectation, without any pressure, without any hope of trying to sneak in there. And play some different players and see see what sticks. You know, you see this a lot in. Um, obviously, I see it a lot in, in Major League Baseball back when the Washington Nationals baseball team was not very good. Um, you know, in September the rosters get get bigger, so they 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 call up younger players and and youth players and see what sticks. And I think, obviously, if you do that against Leeds, if you they're going to get absolutely destroyed if they do that because Leeds are a solid – whether they're in good form or not good form, whether they've won the league or not, they're going to want revenge for last year. Um, and I don't think Bielsa is going to allow them to drop in, in in expectation and level because that's the kind of guy Bielsa is that I get yeah. the impression of. Um, you know, but I think it will allow some different changes. I would – you know, I would think maybe Marriott would start. Um, I would think uh, – you know, I would think Evans would probably be back at center half. Um, you know, just just kind of small changes like that, and, and maybe bring the youth in a little bit uh, towards the end of the game, but not as much as what we saw against West Brom. And then obviously against Birmingham, wholesale changes. Play play people who are on the fringes, play the youth team, and see what sticks. Because Birmingham are in a in a similar well, Birmingham are in a lower position. They're, they're actually they're you Kamikaze know. side. Yeah, over the last few weeks they are. They are, and not interested, just disinterested. Yeah, and so, you know, it, it'd be a nice free hit. So I think in, in some respects, this will kind of act as an extended preseason a bit for Kaku. You can see yeah. the mentality of his players, who wants to fight, who wants to wear the ram on their shirt um, and, and, and engage all their levels. To be honest with you, after the Leeds game, I'd rest Rooney. I'd just say, hey, go enjoy your holidays. We'll see you back at preseason. He's not going to be needed in Birmingham. It's, 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 you're just adding miles to already tired legs already yeah. well-worn legs. So, you know, bring some changes and, and I think it'll be good for the team in, 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 in a bit of a way because the preseason is going to start here relatively quickly. And so, um, you know, it, it's a couple extra games. It's a bit of a preseason jaunt now in, in, in a way because the results don't matter. Whatever happens, Darby at mid-table. And, and let's be honest, Jason, with the season we've had, 
that's that's pretty good standing in my stead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't think you could you, know, you take the season as a collective whole. From it did look like at one point it was going somewhere. Ultimately, we've fallen away. But I think if you was to sum it up as an average, take it as an average, which obviously the final league table is. There's no um, there's no unjust there. It, 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 we are where we are. As long as we do stay in that top half, I think that would be a pretty productive um, season. I think. Well, obviously, one of the things we were just talking to Alfie about, I, I think we are in, one of the ways that we're in a better position is that we've got a lot of this side going into next season. We know where the holes are that we've got to plug. Uh, we know we've got Tavirik coming in, um, who I noticed still hasn't been announced officially, but he is training. I did read. So that'd be interesting. I saw a picture of him in a Derby training kit the other day. Somebody got yeah, it off I'm a not... Snapchat or something like that. It was very weird. Yeah. But I was like, nothing from the club because. I've not. I've noticed they're not putting any training pictures out, and I always like those. It's always fun. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you, you've got that. Obviously, he Koku came out after Tuesday and said he'd, he'd love to bring Matt Clark back to the team. Um, who we're going to talk about in a minute when we when we talk about our player of the season. Um, that would be a pretty decent partnership, you would have to say. Uh, Belik's going to be involved in there. Hopefully, he comes back rearing, ready to go sort of September time when the season is due to, hopefully, I know it's not been officially announced, but uh, somewhere in and around that. And I don't know if you've read today, Corey, that the UK government today have announced that they're hoping for fans to be back in the stadiums in October. So that, that'd be cool. Um, but we, we know the holes that need plugging. You know, Chris Martin, if he's not going to sign a new deal, let's not drag over it. Let's not drag it. As much as we both want Chris Martin at Derby next season. Yep. And I think Koku does as well. If, if if negotiations can't be made, don't wait five or six weeks and then lose out on potential player uh, on a potential incoming because he was he was dragging his heels or the club was dragging the heels. Whatever way, don't do what we did with Lampard last season. You know we, we've just we've got to set a deadline. We've got to cut it short. It's as simple as that. If you don't want you know if if a deal can't be arranged, move on and focus on what we need to do to take the next step. We've seen what it takes to take the next step in this division now, I would say. Koku will have seen that. Um, taking it away from the player, um, just from the playing staff at the mo- uh, for, for a second, I, I would also, me personally, I would be looking at the coaching staff as well. And there's a couple of members of that coaching staff that, for me, and obviously I don't see it week in, week out, but you know they're not really justifying justifying a wage to be perfect. some of them are just staring at ipads all the time absolutely um, literally I mean, literally just looking at ipads on the bench yeah i don't know what you're looking I, for I, but... I, 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 i'm i'm not we're not in to calling people out on this but i mean it, it, the questions have to be asked one of the weakest positions we've had this season and probably last season as well in all fairness um was goalkeeper and we have got a, a, a renowned goalkeeping coach who there's clearly something not right. Now, if that is the mentality of the player, that's fair enough. But the method of, you know, one of the things that somebody said to me a while ago, and I kind of brushed it off with a pinch of salt. Uh, obviously, one of the things that Derby have struggled from goalkeepers is, you know, commanding commanding of an area. How can a goalkeeper who's under six foot teach anybody about commanding an area? You know what I mean? I, and I'm only putting two and two together there, maybe game five. I really am. But it, it begs the question. Uh, obviously, Liam Rossini, he comes very, he comes across very well in, in media and things like that. 
how much of an impact has he really had at Derby this season? Look who's uh, sitting next to Kaku on the bench. Well, exactly. It's, it's uh, what's his face? Um, Chris. Juan. Yeah, it's Chris. Vander uh, Shreepers or whatever. Yeah. yeah Chris yeah. is sitting next to him, so. Vander Veeren. You know. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. So, yeah, it's, does, a, does a change need to be made there? Um, it'd be interesting. Obviously, we know that when Koku came in, Given was one of those that may well have stayed, may well didn't stay. He decided to stay. Yeah, but um, when you look at Chelsea, they took the entire coaching staff bar one coach. Yeah. So, that's all I need to say about the topic. That tells you everything you need to know. I mean... Oh, absolutely. You can't rebuild that over... over he, three, he built... Three he built the, Lampard came in. He built a coaching staff with everybody he wanted, and he took three of the four. Absolutely. And we've had, and, and we've had three goalkeepers of that time, Carson, Roos, and Hamer. So I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Everyone can draw their own conclusions about what we're trying to get Absolutely. at here. But yeah, you know, just because it, you're a great player doesn't question. make you a great coach. No, it, it raises. It does raise a question. Is what I would say. But steering it back to the playing stuff, as I say, that we we know that there are gaps that need to be plugged. Um, just talking on that goalkeeping situation, like you say, I think as I mentioned earlier, it'd be criminal, it'd be suicide to play a weakened side against Leeds. But the Birmingham game, I wouldn't have an issue with. Would you, obviously, Roos came back in. I thought it was the right thing to do. You obviously challenged that last week and put, put across a, a, a very a very good, honest um, opinion of that. That last, would it be fair, obviously, you take you, you put Roos in for Cardiff, Roos plays Sunday. Taking Roos out against Birmingham and maybe playing Ravas, he trains with the first team, just to see if he's anywhere near. Um, even though we're going to have to bring a goalkeeper in in the summer, it, it's paramount that we do that. Yeah, I think I think you know that's really difficult there. To be honest, I think I would be more normally. I would say yes, but because the goalkeeping situation is what it is at the club, um, one of the goalkeepers will not be there next season, obviously because of loan. Well, may or may not be there next season because the loan's expiring. We don't know what's going to happen with with the transfer market. I think you have to play. I think you'd have to play Kellerus. Um, the step up from U23 football, which Ravas has not played in this season. It's been other goalkeepers. Yates, I think was one of the keepers that was played. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not played in a long time. Roos has just come in after being out since basically November of the team. And he's still contracted. So what I would do is, I would say, look, Kella, you know, you've got the next two games. You've got the gloves. Go out there and show us what you can do in a Derby County shirt. Um, you're contracted to the team next year. And, and, and try to give that lad a bit of confidence going into the season because, no disrespects, I don't think anyone's going to want to buy him. No. So I, I, think, mean, I, think, I think he'll be at the club next season as a number two. And so you have to give him that opportunity to put a few performances together. So – Keller, Keller has got to be that goalkeeper. I'm, I'm sorry. I think maybe Ravas needs a loan or something, but to just chuck a yeah. lad who's not been playing any, any football at all, obviously bar the lockdown, he won't play him before and he was training with the first team. It's going to be very difficult, but you've got to keep Keller Roos in there and give him an opportunity and audition to make sure that that number two spot is his own, because if he's not very good, then we can Darby know they need to go out and get a second keeper as well as a first keeper. And I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, we, we've obviously he heard in the last couple of days that you know we tried to bring in a winger. 
in January. There's nothing to say that we're going to find a goalkeeper in the transfer market, which would be disappointing. But there's nothing to say that. So then, you know, Roos would be number one next season. Um, so, yeah, I, I get your point. I get your point. Um, but I would certainly expect... Uh, potentially, um, as you see, Jack Marriott will he be will he be ready to will he start against Leeds on Sunday? I, I really don't know. Certainly, the Birmingham game you would expect. Um, yeah, Leeds might come too soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing I did forget to mention about Keller Roos, he made an absolutely fantastic couple of saves on Tuesday night. In all fairness, um, for me, saves that I don't think Hamer would have got to. In all in all fairness, um, but you know that there wasn't other than that a great deal else to do, but. Um, it's going to be interesting and obviously we'll follow it on this podcast as, as the transfer market develops. Um, but I think, you know, like you say, I think the next two games are a bit of a free hit. Leeds is a bit more of a... Well, that's a, that's a pride thing. That's a pride thing. It's a bit of a yeah, rivalry. Absolutely. It's pride. Yeah. You, you, they, could literally get, they could literally get stamped out like real quick yeah. and it could get real ugly real fast because Leeds are just yeah. relentless. Um, absolutely. But, you know, it's, it's a pride thing at the end of the day. And then, you know, but, hey, if it's going pear-shaped and it's half an hour to go, yeah, chuck on the kids. Can't go any more pear-shaped. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. And then, as I said, Birmingham, I would expect a few more changes as, as, the, as the season finale. So, as it is the season finale, uh, we, we do have to move on to Player of the Year. Um, and we'll also do the Young Players of the Year. I think, for me... Two pretty much jump out at me. Um, and the young player of the year has been pretty much the same all the way through. The player of the year has changed twice um, this year for, since you know the turn of the year. I thought after January and February, for me, Dwayne Holmes was practically nailed on to get it. Um, obviously, his injury um, and then his inconsistency, if you can even call it that, it's been poor. I mean, I'm not, again, we're not in in the game of shouting people out, but his form since the restart's been poor. Um, I think that's pushed him away. And I think somebody who obviously struggled in a, a little bit to swap towards the start, but has been ever-present throughout the season. And to me, for me, since the lockdown, he's been an absolute colossus at the back in Matt Clark. I, I think it would take it would take a brave shout for anybody to, to put anybody above um, Clark and uh, just a, a message to anybody out there that's saying, oh, Rooney should win it, Rooney should win it. No, Rooney shouldn't win it. Um, yes, he may well have helped define our season. He may well have helped us, us turn it round. But no, not for me. I think Matt Clark, um, get, Matt Clark gets my nod. Not um, Kieran Dowell? No. Although, congratulations on the hat trick the other night. Um he grew a different area. Looks like he looks like Gareth Bale yeah. now. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm questioning if it was Kieran Dowell. I think it might have somebody been, been somebody with a mask on. But who knows? Um, what you was it, Jason? No, it definitely wasn't me. I don't think he had three <laughs> shots for the derby, let alone found the, the net three times. But hey ho. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I, I just don't think there's anybody else really in the running at, at the, on side by side than the Matt Clark. To be perfectly honest with you, for that one. Yeah, I would agree um, with you. I think. Obviously, I've not been Matt Clark's biggest fan. Um, you know, he kind of looks a little bit like Shrek, but he's one of these guys that, that's, that's, that's really grown on me. And I think you're right, since lockdown, he's been pretty much immense. Um, and what I like to see from a player of the season is consistent growth throughout the course of the year. Um, obviously, 
I w- I'm right there with you. Dwayne Holmes should be in that conversation, but I think with his injury record um, and the form bus leaving the, leaving the station the last few weeks uh, kind of takes him out of contention. Tom Lawrence has had a very good season, I think, for, for a lot of different reasons on the field anyway, but the off-the-field things automatically excludes him. Um, yeah, and, and the argument for Rooney is, yeah, he scored a lot of goals. He's scored, what, six or seven goals. He had some assists and the players turned up, but I don't necessarily like it when a player is coming in January and wins player of the year. I mean, they'd have to do something pretty special to do that. And I think, you know, Clark is not the most flashiest player. He's a, he's a steady Eddie. Um, he's got a lot to learn at the championship level. I don't think he's at, you know, he's not one of the elite level fullbacks that this thing. And I think, I think he actually admitted that in his, in something I just recently read today that he said, he's not the finished article, which is good. You know, you want players that understand that they're not the finished article that they want to grow and develop. And I think Matt Clark, um, 100%, again, he's grown on me throughout the course of the season, but having him, and you have to ask yourself a Derby County without Matt Clark next season, is it a weaker team? And it is Matt Clark player of the season for me. Yeah, absolutely. He has just, he has gradually got better. If that's a confidence thing, stepping up in, in from the league one, it is a big ask. Um, and I just think, as I say, certainly it, basing it on the last 10 games, he has been, he, he has been sure fire at the back in, in a defense, in all fairness, that's been, that's been pretty leaky. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say that any goal as such that we've conceded has been solely his fault. It's been others around him, unfortunately. As we saw last season, you know, the defence wasn't strong. Foucault Tamori, as I've mentioned many times, pulled Derby out of the fire with his pace a lot. Um, this year, that pace has obviously disappeared. Uh, we've, we've not got that pace, so I think that's probably why we've been caught out of the back. I don't think it's because of any other subtle change other than it's the same. We've played same, we've just not had no pace. But I think... I think he's grown throughout the year, Matt Clark. Um, and if he comes back next season, I think it would be a, a, a pretty decent addition. Obviously, you've got Tavira coming in. We don't know what he's going to be like. Um, a 28-year-old coming over, you'd hope in the prime of his career, um, may well may well help things. But, you know, for me, yeah, Matt Clark, I, I can't see past that. Um, and then for the young player, for me... M- my pick is Max Bird. I think he's again. He's been a bit quiet the last few weeks. Don't think we've quite seen the same player. But then again, I don't think we've seen the same Derby County performances. Um, which he, he does seem one of those players. You know, when we're playing pretty football, when when we can stride, knock passes twenty yards, he, he looks comfortable in that scenario. When it's Backs to the walls, you've got to kind of stick a boot in, which we know he doesn't do all that much. He is a passer of the ball. Um, he, he does go a little bit missing for me, and he does need somebody with a bit more aggression at the side of him. Um, but his, his ability to pass, I don't think you can question that. Um, obviously, Sibley, if he'd have come in in January and played like he has, he'd have been pretty close to, to getting the young player for me. Um I thought he played again. He played all right on, on Tuesday night without being anything spectacular. Um, but for me, Max Bird, I, I think is there. I, th- I think I would pick Max Bird. Um, he, he's shown, obviously, we saw him 18 months ago. He looked a completely different player. He, he's come back. He's worked hard. Um, and he looked the real deal. And then again, he's slightly just got, for me, he's slightly gone off the boil again. 
Um, it'd be interesting. Big year for him next year, in my opinion, if, if he wants to you know, cement a place at Derby. It's a position that we know we've got the pl- a plethora of players who are jumping at the bit to get into that side. You know, Graham Shinney. I mean, if Graham Shinney had played more games for Derby this season, he'd have been in with a shout. Because I don't think he's ever let Derby down when he's come in. Um, so it's going to be a big year for Max Bird next season. I think if he can, if he can start well, uh, you know, and, and get, a, get a role going, we've got a good player on our hands, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I would agree with you um, about Birdie. He's been, he's kind of just there sometimes, you know, which, which is fine, but too many vanilla performances you know, it leaves, leaves one wanting more. I'll put it that way. Um, and I, I will disagree with you on this, Jason. I think that the um, young player of the year will be Jason Knight um, for the sole fact of Jason Knight's been a consistent first teamer since the Huddersfield game. Again, that's when he made his debut. Um, Bird came in a little bit later around Christmas time, I believe, you know, to be a regular, to be a regular starter. Jason Knight was, I know he played against Utterfield. I know he played against West Brom. He's been these things. And he just scored his sixth goal against Cardiff, which yeah. for an 18-year-old is pretty good. I mean, obviously, Sibley's got four, and he's got four and five games, but he's only played like five, six games for the first good. team. Jason yeah. Knight's probably played about 20 or so. Uh, yeah. Some of them are cameo appearances. He didn't start. He went through a period where he was starting. Um, what I would say is that, you know, Jason Knight, again, he's not, a, not necessarily the polished product. Um, he's got a lot to learn at, at, a, at a very young age. There's a lot of talent there. He's not an outside midfielder. He's a central no. midfielder. I think he would be a, that tenacious kind of partner that you were talking about for Bird. I think that's what make mm-hmm. them successful together as a two. But having him out on the wing, he's a little wasted. But, you know, again, he's a young player. He's learning. And, and to get six goals in your debut season is it's pretty remarkable. There's a lot of – I mean, that's the same amount of goals as Wayne Rooney. Uh, obviously, Rooney's played less games, but, you know – 19 years old, 18, 19 years old, six goals. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, Jason Knight for me. To be fair, somebody had forgotten about, um, in all fairness. Um, but yeah, a productive season at the end of the day. Um, again, mostly used out of position, in, in all fairness, which takes some adapting. You know, we've got players who are natural wingers that can't play on the wing. So, you know, for somebody who's not a natural winger, doesn't have, have a trick, doesn't really have pace, a, a hell, hell of a lot of pace or anything like that, to try and do a job out, you know, out wide as a, as a front three is, is difficult. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah, hats off to him, actually. It's a fair point. Um, and, it, it, yeah, those two is probably a closer run thing than, than I give credit for to, at, at the start of this conversation. Um, there we have it. There are our picks. Guys, what do you think? Get in touch with us. We'll stick a poll out on Twitter tomorrow. Um, with, with a couple of those names and uh, see, see who agrees with us and who doesn't. Um, and that is pretty much it for us tonight. Um, I have one more thing to say, Jason, before you ooh, sign off. This is the it. first podcast that we've been able to do since, um, since, uh, since the one-year anniversary of the podcast. So, yes. you know, you started this um, just over a year ago uh, with a lot of different things. Um, you've, allowed, you've been gracious to allow me to come on and, and be a part of this, which I'm so grateful for. It's helped me a lot in terms of the season and obviously over the lockdown and going into the season. So I'm very pleased that you've allowed me to do that. Um, and I just wanted to see uh, what you wanted to say about the first year of your podcast. Yeah. Well, from, from what were humble beginnings, um, from a, 
somebody with you know as we've spoken about many a times um, somebody who's got a passion for football I've got a passion for football I've got a huge passion for football a huge passion for Derby County um, and I, I'm always I'm always interested in in the football chat I'm always interested in not, we know that's not just Derby County we I can talk about all all kinds of football um, and yeah it's been it's been an interesting interesting road um, I've not I don't think I have listened back to the, the first couple of episodes, to be fair, for quite some time. Um, possibly a bit more professional and a bit more polished now. Um, but at the end of the day, the intentions, what were 12 months ago, still remain today and will still remain in, in, into the future, however long we, you know, people can be bothered to listen to this. Um, I, I'm, I'm here for an opinion. I'm, I'm not always right. We know that. I'm not always wrong either. Um, and, and football is about opinions and, you know, certainly whilst, you know, the games haven't been going on, this is, th- these are the types of chats that I'd have with my mates in the pub before games. Um, and, you know, to be able to express that on an, on an audio platform um, and people are courteous enough to join in, like yourselves and all our followers on, on social media and, and things like that. And, you know, obviously the listeners who, who, listen to it and all the others that put out Derby County content as well. You know, we're all, as we said before, we're all kind of working with the same in within the same parameters, but we all, we all have that slightly different feel to us, I think. Um, and it, it's been fun is what it's been. It's been fun. And there's never a dull day with Derby County. I mean, I, you know, you try and do a podcast on Accrington Stanley or somebody like that. I think it could probably get quite boring. Um, but because there's never a dull moment with Derby, and there hasn't been for, for many years now, there's always something to talk about. And whilst there's always something to talk about, there's always something to discuss, and there's always an opinion. And whilst you've got those platforms, um, and whilst you've got those things to talk about, then you know the podcast is what the podcast is. Um, I've never tried to make out that it's, it's a polished professional radio edit or anything like that. It's 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 a group of people sometimes, or just myself, or me and you. Just, just chewing the fat over something for for an hour, hour and thirty minutes, dependent on, um, you know, how long we go on for, and it, it's been great. It's been great. It's grown. It's been. It's great to see that it's, you know, it's grown, and long may it continue. To be perfectly honest with you, and as we've said, you know, whilst we still enjoy doing it, we'll, we'll keep doing it, and while there's people to listen to it, we'll we'll keep doing it. Do you enjoy the podcast more or watching Derby County? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that, depends on the week, one. doesn't it? <laughs> that, is a, that is a difficult one. That is a difficult one. But I, I, I mean, the, the podcast started off, as I say, it started off as a bit of a pastime. It's become more than a pastime now. It's like a full-time job um, without without getting paid, unfortunately. So if there's if there's any sponsors out there, uh, no, I'm not doing it for that. But um, yeah, it, it, it's just great. It, it's great to know that, as I say, from from what was a humble beginning, can grow into something like it has. I mean, don't get me wrong, we're not, as we well know, we're not a national podcast or anything like that. But, you know, if we've said it many a times, Corey, if if one or two people listen and and appreciate what we do, that's good enough for me. And whilst there is at least one or two people appreciating what we do, and it's always nice to get a little mention on Twitter or 
you know, a, per, a, pri- a personal message to say, you know, it's you know, it's good content and things like that. What whilst we're getting those, I mean, I'll take negatives. I, we did, we, we took negatives a few months ago, as we well know, and we made changes, and since then things have things have actually got better, and we know that. So I'm not I'm not going to stand here and say it's perfect because I know it's not, but it's it's our little world. It's it's what we do. It's what we like to do. Um, as I say, whilst we keep enjoying it and people enjoy listening to it, we'll keep putting it out there. In no. my opinion. No, I agree with you, Jason. Football's a game of opinion. Everybody who, dis- everybody who disagrees, write in and we can shut it down from the end of the season and it'll save yeah. me a lot of time. I'm loading up Twitter right now. That's it. That's <laughs> it. But that is it for us, guys. We will obviously reconvene um, next week uh, to discuss the Leeds game and preview Birmingham City and then there'll be one more towards the end of the week um, then we may well just take a small week off um, whilst we reflect and then the next couple of podcasts coming up will be reflection podcasts on the season as a whole with we've got a few exciting bits and pieces coming up um, get a flavour and uh, put a full stop to that season and sure enough soon, sooner rather than later we'll be uh, we'll be discussing We'll be discussing the start of next season, Corey. Yeah, we will, Jason. It's it's coming thick and fast. So, absolutely. Looking, looking forward absolutely. to looking forward to having something to gossip about over summer. Do I love a transfer window? Oh, don't we just? Don't we just? And as always, we'll 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 have that news on here as and when we can. So, um, thanks, Corey. As always, thank you very much, Jason. Everybody, you're more than welcome. Thank you very much to everybody involved, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. Please remember to get in touch on the socials. On Twitter, we are at Rams Review one Our Facebook is Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, thank you very much and up the Rams.